Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Thursday, January the 16th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the offensive line coach search is over. Miami will reportedly appoint Steve Marshall. We'll get to know him. Plus, good news for a certain Alabama quarterback. We'll preview the cornerback position heading into the offseason. We'll talk pleasant surprises and the short list for pick 26 in this year's draft. All of that and more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a review, keep us in that top 200 on Apple and top 100 on Spotify. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL Voted. Then I will follow on Dolphins Twitter by Dolphins Twitter. Check out the show at LockedOnFins. We'll follow you back. And of course, LockedOnDolphins.com for all all the written pieces of this week's offseason preview. Let's go ahead and jump right in. So the big news of the day is the Dolphins appoint an offensive line coach, Steve Marshall, who was previously with Chan Gailey and the New York Jets, the Dolphins' new offensive coordinator. Let's go ahead and start from the top here on Marshall's profile. He's a Louisville graduate, played tight end and offensive line there in the 70s, and he has a bit of a reputation as a tough guy, a no-nonsense type of guy, which is exactly what Dave DeGuglielmo was before him. So whether that's good or bad, who knows? We do know his time with the Jets was on some really bad offensive lines, but to be perfectly frank, I don't know a lot about him, and I don't think most of you guys do either. He's been coaching football since before most of us were born. He started off at Plymouth in 1979. That's a good one. Tennessee's offensive line from 1980 to 81, then jumped to Marshall from 82 to 83 to coach the offensive line and special teams. Went back to his alma mater in Louisville in 1984, three years before I was born, to coach the tight ends, then to Murray State to coordinate his first offense. He was an offensive line coach and offensive coordinator from 85 to 86, then to Virginia Tech for 87 to 92. He was the OC for five of those six years, his longest stint in college, and also probably his most impressive work to that point, considering he coached the offense and the offensive line for six years there. Then it was back to Tennessee to be the O-line coach and running game coordinator from 1993 to 1995. Then he jumped to the Pac-12 and UCLA to coach their offensive line in 96. Then over to Texas A&M for 97 on the offensive line. UNC, North Carolina from 98 to 99 as the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach there. Then back to the Pac-12, or I guess back then it was Big 12, Colorado from 2000 to 2001 on the offensive line, and that's where he began his NFL career as an assistant offensive line coach with the Texans from 2002 to 2005. In 02, 03, 04, he was an assistant. In 05, he was the offensive line coach that year for the Texans. He was out of football in 2006, but then returned to be the offensive line coach with the Browns in 2007 and 2008. He was there when they drafted Joe Thomas, although I'm sure he had nothing to do with that, but he did coach Joe Thomas those first two years. 
years. Then there's a bit of a gap for the NFL for him. He left Cleveland in 08, went back to the college ranks, back to California for 2009-2010, Colorado from 11 to 12, and New Mexico State in 2013. All of those were offensive line coaching gigs. Clearly, he centered his focus on the offensive line at that time. Then he goes back to the NFL and joins the Packers staff as an assistant offensive line coach in 2014, where he had a great group there with Bakhtiara, Balaga, Lindsey, Sitton. They should have gone to the Super Bowl that year. Then he was with the Jets from 2015 to 2017. And like I mentioned, under Chan Gailey, all of those lines were very, very bad. And then most recently was with the defunct AAF, the American Alliance Football, whatever the hell it's called, for the Memphis Express, where he coached the offensive line there in that defunct football league. So he's coached every single year of his life. But man, this guy jumps around a lot more than I did with jobs before this podcast happened. And that's the Dolphins' new offensive line coach. None of these announcements have been made official by the Miami Dolphins themselves, but I would assume that's going to happen pretty soon. And to finish up the news segment here to start off this podcast on a Thursday for you guys, some news came in late on Wednesday after I had already published the podcast that Tua Tungavailoa will have a throwing program set up for him in April if he cannot attend his pro day where he's going to throw 60 to 80 scripted passes for scouts that want to come watch him throw before the draft and that is just great news for his development. We obviously know that he's already ahead of schedule, already bearing weight at the seven week mark where it was supposed to be 10 weeks. He's already talked about this a lot. He's been out in front of the media, in front of the cameras, giving you the updated information on his injury report and And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that he plays football in 2020 next season, next fall, maybe even as early as week six or seven after PUP, given his ability to come back from injuries, the modern medical advances, especially the ones we saw at Alabama with that tightrope surgery to fix his ankles with the elective surgery, both times he sprained those. And all of that combined, frankly, I think you'd be a fool to bet against this guy that he hits that landmark and does in fact start a game in 2020 for whoever drafts him. And the idea of resting him for all of 2020, like, why do you want to do that? I mean, if he's healthy, the doctors clear him. That will never happen. They're not going to have a 100% healthy Tua Tungavailoa sitting behind a quarterback that he's better than because the best players play. That's how this business works. It reminds me of the Saints this year when they had Drew Brees coming back from that thumb injury, even though Teddy Bridgewater was 5-0. and They had a game against the unsuspecting Arizona Cardinals, then a bye week for extra rest. Everyone said that Brees should take the extra week to rest, but why? He was healthy. He was ready to go. He got clearance, and sure enough, he played. When football players are healthy, they play. That's it. I promise extra risk and extra precaution won't do a damn thing to protect this guy when he does get back to 100% health. And of course, a disclaimer to speak with the obvious caveat that they won't put him out there unless he is truly, fully, 100% recovered. But once he gets to that point, resting him just to rest him makes no sense. That's my entire point. Also, a weird coincidence, his agent, Lee Steinberg, who just signed him last week, honored Stephen Ross, the Dolphins owner, with a humanitarian award on Wednesday. Get in those good graces, baby. We like seeing those connections every single time. And Tua will be at the Super Bowl in Miami doing media row, doing all the interviews. He'll be there with Jerry Judy and his agent, Lee Steinberg, to talk to teams, GMs, owners. We should get some more clarity as time goes along as we continue to check off boxes for Tua's recovery from the hip injury. Speaking of checking off boxes, we have two more parts to go in the offseason preview, including the cornerbacks coming up next. And on your offseason checklist, was winning a fantasy football championship part of your New Year's resolution last year? Well, it's not over yet if you didn't accomplish it because although it is conference championship week 
And while time is up for two of the teams playing this weekend, you still have time to feed your fantasy fix with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football. Join in on the fun, draft your lineup, and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, every throw, and catch mean more with DraftKings lineups on the line. It's simple. You just draft your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. And nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a free shot at over $750,000 with your first deposit. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's some extra cash to play with throughout the playoff season. Download the DraftKings app now and use code Locked On for a limited time. Both new and existing users can get that deposit bonus up to $500 on your next deposit. New users, be sure to enter code Locked On during signup, and you'll also get a free shot at three quarters of a million dollars with your first deposit. That's code Locked On, and you can get a deposit bonus up to $500 only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25 times playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply see draftkings.com for details there is no welcome home for me quite like coming back to talk about the defensive backfield i feel like this has been my best position outside of quarterbacks as far as evaluation going back over several years in the secondary primarily at safety and tomorrow we will talk about the safety position and i've been writing these things a day ahead of time from when i podcast so i just wrote the safeties and i cannot wait to talk about that on tomorrow's podcast but as for today's the piece up on lockdowndolphins.com taking a look at the Dolphins cornerback position heading in to the 2020 offseason and we have some decisions to make here obviously but the best part is I think we know we're in pretty good hands with the coaching staff with Brian Flores Josh Boyer's promotion we'll get Kirk Kuntz the new high school coach coming up to the professional ranks he'll coach those guys up as well they continue to find gems late round undrafted guys in New England here now in Miami they discovered Nick Needham who has the look of a potential number two cornerback at worst a good depth piece down on the depth chart. Jamal Wiltz has the makeup for quality depth, and I thought Tay Hayes finished the season very strongly. We have to make a decision on Bobby McCain. We'll find out what happens with Xavier Howard's legal issues as he had that arrest right around New Year's after the Patriots game. But let's jump now into the incumbents on the roster and start with Xavier Howard, who I have listed as a perimeter cornerback exclusively. Don't need to kick him inside. He can play outside just fine. Nobody intercepted more passes per game since the end of 2017 up until this year than Xavier Howard. He's the ultimate ball hawk. He made 17 tackles this year, just the one pick in the limited time, had four pass breakups, and his passer rating against was 117.9, but the Dallas game against Amari Cooper with a couple of those touchdowns really threw that out of whack. He had a 56.5 PFF grade. That's 141 out of 213. He played just 322 snaps this year, less than 30%, as the Dolphins shut him down with that knee injury late in the year. So those are the two big things we have to worry about. The knee, how healthy will he be? And of course, the legal trouble which we will not speculate on any further, but Howard, when he's right, is the Stephon Gilmore of this defense, an elite shutdown corner, physicals all get out, loves to play the press, loves to jam at the line of scrimmage. He has the speed and recovery to stay in phase up the stem. Then he continues the aggression at the top of the route and the catch point. Just one of the best ball hawks and one of the more physically imposing cornerbacks in the league. Watching this guy in training camp
camp was such a treat. Receivers couldn't even get off of him during camp. He was thoroughly dominant in training camp last season. Bobby McCain, a slot slash perimeter slash free safety, can play this guy anywhere, and that's why I think he'll be valued in this defense, but I do want to move him back primarily to the slot position. Again, although you can rotate that with the safety. 25 tackles, two picks, three pass breakups, a 107.1 passer rating allowed. He was 108 out of 175 safeties with a 61.9 PFF grade. He played 540 snaps. That's right around half of the Dolphins' snaps as he missed the last part of the year with that injury. He was exclusively the single high safety this year, and that might be where he stays, but again, I prefer him in the slot position, even though, once again, you can rotate those guys. He's a good tackler. He tracks the ball well, has good ball skills. I think one of the best plays I've seen a Miami Dolphin make in the last decade or so was going back to last season, his interception of Tom Brady in the game at Foxborough, where he came off of his man, fall into the zone, and made a great interception. Those are the kind of plays he can make. I like him back in that slot role, and I think that you can justify his salary playing him there with some safety rotation in this defense. Nick Needham, a perimeter-exclusive cornerback for me, 54 tackles, 2 picks, 11 pass breakups, had a bad passer rating against, 116.6, was the 106th graded cornerback on Pro Football Focus out of 213. So even though I don't agree with those grades most of the time, being in the top half of the cornerbacks as an undrafted rookie, that's pretty good. He played 742 snaps, that's 66%, and this guy has the sweet feet and the recognition skills to get himself reps in the future. You go back to his college tape at UTEP, you could always see his weight transfer and the smooth transition in and out of breaks and his ability to unlock his hips and recoil really helps him recover when he does get beat off the line. And I think he can improve his press cover skills, but the instincts that he has to regularly fall off the structure of the defense and get himself into the passing lane. And this guy really, really excels in the preparation aspect of the game. And we learned that from his mother, Shannon Needham, who did the podcast back last summer, but also just by watching him play and watching him grow and having that connection and talking to her about what he's done with Josh. Boyer in Miami. I think he's a great looking part for the future here in the Dolphins. Jamal Wilts, a slot and safety combination player, and I've talked all season long about how this guy to me makes so much sense as your dime, your sixth defensive back that comes onto the field in those dime packages, which in Miami is going to be 30 or 40% of the damn plays, so it's a very valued position. Jamal Wilts made 53 tackles, and that's the reason why I love him in that role. He is such a sure tackler. He fires out of his back pedal and pulls that trigger and commits and gets guys to the ground is a great asset to have on third and 12 plus when you play the sticks and rally and tackle. So 53 tackles had the one pick, a 100.1 passer rating allowed. They had him as the 196th cornerback out of 213. Again, whatever. 598 snaps. That's 53%. And he did miss the last couple of games with an injury. Jamal was picked on pretty regularly this season. And I thought he always got back up off the canvas and competed. And that will go a long way with his coaching staff. Tay Hayes, a late season addition, a slot and perimeter corner. He can do a little bit of both. Had seven tackles, two pass breakups, and a 41.4 passer rating allowed. Just a quick note, if the quarterback stands up and spikes the ball into the turf, his passer rating will be 39 on the day. So just barely better than throwing the ball away every single play. He had a 43 
3.9 PFF grade. How that happens, no clue. 107 snaps, just 9% of the total. But he played inside, played outside, and I love the way he competed at the catch point and got his hands between the receiver's hands and separated the football, played inside, play outside, and he likes to talk some trash. I tweeted that fact about his passer rating against, and he let the Twitterverse know out there by retweeting me. So go get him, Tay Hayes. Hope you make the team next year, bud. Ryan Lewis, perimeter exclusive player only. 24 tackles, one pick, five pass breakups. Was 205 out of 213 cornerbacks on PFF. Played 293 snaps. I thought he showed a good penchant for knowing the system and knowing the scheme and playing that press man cover work, but I just think he has a lot of room to grow to be an actual fixture on this defense long term. It'll be interesting to see if he comes back next season and makes the team. Ken Webster, kind of the same boat. He was a draft pick of the Patriots last year. Was immediately claimed after he got cut in training camp. He made 19 tackles, one pass breakup. He played just 226 snaps, wound up getting injured. Just 20% of the total snaps there. He, like Ryan Lewis, has an uphill climb to make the roster next year. And then there's Cordrea Tankersley, who is exclusively a perimeter cornerback and really a match made in heaven for this scheme. But the ACL tear he had back in October of 2018 cast some serious doubt over his future, and he just could never get healthy and get back. And playing cornerback with a ACL or I guess even a hip injury, whatever the case might be, a serious injury cornerback is one of the hardest positions to come back and play because of all the sudden movement and the jitterbugs at receiver that try to shake you and you have to be able to stay with them with your hips and your feet and your eyes. It's just very difficult. But for Tankersley, he's a long physical cornerback that likes to press. And so he would work out in this scheme, in my opinion, but can he get healthy? Can he get right? It's your number four now. So that clock is ticking on that rookie deal. A futures contract with Rashard Kazi, an unrestricted free agent and Aqib Tlaib, although he's going to retire. Exclusive rights free agents, Nate Brooks, and Lyndon Stevens. We'll see what happens with those guys. And then we have the free agent market and the cornerback class. The gem of the entire market is in fact Byron Jones. And to acquire Byron Jones, you're probably going to have to match the contract you gave Xavier Howard. So as unlikely as that seems, Jones is the guy who is worth it. A premier outside corner. He's played essentially every position in the secondary since his first round selection out of UConn all those years ago. He can play safety. He can play slot. He can play outside. Does everything. I put a video in the thread from Fran Duffy where he just really matches an AJ Green deep route and shows the athleticism and ball skills on that play. Superb tackler. Excellent versatility. Allows you to disguise your coverages and blitz concepts. His ball production does not match the ball skills, but he can track the football through the air. I don't think the Cowboys bring him back, but Miami would be stretching the defensive back budget thin to go out and make an offer for this guy. That'll be fascinating to see if they want to go in that direction. Another guy I think is going to get paid, but might be a little bit more reasonable is Tennessee's Logan Ryan. And we talk about the smooth transition all the time, going from one team to a new team. And Logan Ryan would show up on the first day of work, first day of school here, so to speak, with a comprehensive understanding of both the system and the program. He's played for Josh Boyer. And of course, he's played for Brian Flores there in New England. If the Titans want to go out and get Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry, and Jack Conklin taken care of, maybe the cornerback shakes free. I still doubt it, but he's aggressive, an exceptional tackler, and he's just as good in the slot as he is outside. And if he did sign with Miami, I would assume you keep him inside as the slot when you do have three or more cornerbacks on the field. And when you go base with just two, you kick him outside and take your other guy off the field who could be like a Nick Needham. I think this is the kind of signing that would make sense for Nick Needham because that way you keep Needham as like a 65, 70% player and he can play on the outside while Ryan kicks inside. Those are the kind of players you want to look for in this new Dolphin secondary. And the sleeper of the class, I'm not in love with the class, but I went with Brian Poole, the slot corner 
cornerback of the New York Jets. He was pretty much the only guy they had at the cornerback position last year. I'd imagine they'll re-sign him, but if he shakes free, he's the best slot option out there besides Chris Harris of the Denver Broncos, who is also a free agent. Jimmy Smith of the Ravens is a free agent. Bradley Roby, Ronald Darby, Darquez Denard. I think Eli Apple of the Saints could shake free and maybe be an option for the Dolphins as kind of a reclamation type there. He repaired his image with the Saints. Maybe he can come to Miami and do even more of that. Daryl Worley, also a free agent. And Rashawn Melvin from the Lions makes some sense as well in that position. Let's take our last break here. We'll come back and talk about the cornerbacks in the draft. We'll predict the cornerback depth chart next year. And we're also going to talk about my short list for the 26th pick this year in the draft. All of that next here, Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Well, Jeffrey Okuda might be all we could have wanted at the cornerback position, and he's still very much in play for that fifth pick in the draft if you don't go after the quarterback. But again, I do believe that's where Miami goes. So because of that, to go back into the cornerback preview up on LockedOnDolphins.com, taking a look at how Miami can improve this position and improve its pass defense under Brian Flores, under Josh Boyer, and under Kirk Kunst, the newcomer this year at the cornerback position and safety position in Miami. And we turn now to the draft and the guy this year in the draft, it's not Okuda because again, I believe he goes either higher than Miami picks or the Dolphins use that pick on a quarterback and he's not available for them again at pick number 18 quite obviously so the guy right here for me is TCU's Jeff Gladney the smooth transition and weight transfer skill set allows him to pattern match to mirror he can press he can play off he fires out of that back pedal with ease he will need to use his length better at the next level because he's not great at rerouting at the line of scrimmage and that's a trait you have to do here in Miami but I believe he can be coached up although he is the best in coverage that's his best skill set. He barely ever misses a tackle, has the long speed to stay in phase on outside takeoff routes, but also does well to clear his hips and change direction to keep up with the shiftiness of slot receivers inside. So the inside-outside versatility puts him atop Miami's board in this exercise, again, outside of Jeff Okuda. The more reasonable route and probably a second round draft pick in this exercise is Clemson's A.J. Terrell. And look, I get it. People are going to kill this guy for the performance against Jamar Chase. Again, the Blitnikoff winner who pretty much owned every single cornerback he went up against. But Terrell was in good position for a lot of those balls. It was just Joe Burrow throwing dimes and Chase stacking him, not allowing him to get around to make a play on the football. Just an elite quarterback receiver combination. In fact, probably the best in the history of college football in terms of their production. So I'm not discouraged by that showing. I thought he competed, played physical, disrupted Chase at the line of scrimmage, even got a good video in the thread, or rather the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com where he jams him and reroutes Chase at the line of scrimmage. He's long. He really excels in the press cover corner aspect of the game, can flip his hips and transition well enough to win as a man cover cornerback in this league. A little bit grabby, probably going to draw some flags in the NFL, but he's exactly the prototype Miami wants on the outside in their man-heavy defense and the sleeper. You can pretty much copy and paste it right here. Damon Arnett from Ohio State. I think that this guy's going to wind up being a day two pick. And so Miami might have to spend a high resource on this guy. But man, he plays the game the way you want him to. Just loves throwing bows out there and throwing that jam initially off the line of scrimmage. He can press. He challenges every route at all three critical points like Xavier Howard off the line at the top of the stem and at the catch point. He's a sound tackler. Not real interested in fighting off blocks on his way to the running game, but he's more athletic than most players with his play 
playstyle would be, which will bump his draft stock come April. My 2020 cornerback draft rankings, number one's Jeff Okuda, number two is Jeff Gladney, number three is Christian Fulton from LSU. He got beat a little bit in that game, and I still like his game, but I think that he maybe goes behind Gladney for me now. AJ Terrell from Clemson, number four, Trayvon Diggs, number five, Bryce Hall, number six, Jalen Johnson from Utah, number seven, Damon Arnett, number eight. Let's keep an eye on Jalen Johnson, too, out of Utah. He matches the prototype as well. Number nine, Cameron Dantzler, and 10, CJ Henderson from Florida, who I think will be off Miami's board altogether because of his lack of interest in making tackles. The Dolphins have several routes they can go here and at the safety position. I tend to think the the resources will be poured more into the safety spot because that position really drives the defense, and you already have your Stephon Gilmore and Xavier Howard, so you go that route. But do they go after Logan Ryan and basically fix the cornerback position by having McCain play inside or play some safety and having Nick Needham be your other perimeter corner alongside with Xavier Howard? You have so many options here. You can go after Arnett or Terrell or Gladney or Diggs or Johnson in the draft. Maybe you go the low-level route in free agency after Eli Apple and Rashawn Melvin. Josh Boyer is going to find his gems, whether it's high resources or undrafted free agents. So I feel pretty good about this position going forward. My cornerback projections are number one, Xavier Howard taking 100% of the snaps. Bobby McCain in there as well for the next most snaps. I have Damon Arnett as the draft pick out of Ohio State. He's third. Nick Needham fourth. Jamal Wiltz fifth. Tay Hayes sixth. And I went ahead and threw Trajan Bandy, the Miami Hurricane slot cornerback in the draft as well. He'll be your seventh cornerback. So Howard, McCain, Arnett, Needham, Wiltz, Hayes, and Bandy. And that is it for the cornerback position. We'll have the safeties tomorrow as we have just a couple more minutes here on the podcast. And I was thinking about doing a segment talking about some trade possibilities and how the Dolphins could acquire more first round capital next year because of all the blue chip talent. And I like the idea of having other teams draft picks because what if that team loses their quarterback and you wind up in the top five? Those are the options you have when you have those future first round draft picks. But I'm sure we'll run into that on the mailbag on tomorrow's podcast as well as talk about the safeties and a quick look ahead for that safety group. My goodness, I am so excited for the safety class, both in the draft and free agency. And to finish up this podcast, I want to talk about my short list for the 26th pick in the draft. And the top of that list is going to be a safety as well. You guys know who he is. I think you have to take him at pick 18 because I believe he'll go off the board in the top 25 picks. But Antoine Winfield from Minnesota, we'll talk about him a lot on tomorrow's podcast. My next option there, and I've been talking about taking a running back in the second round as kind of more of a smart financially resource stacking or allocating position because you don't have that fifth year option on the running back. And really you can chew up and spit out running backs in four years. And you want that fifth year option on a position that costs more on the open market, like an offensive tackle, like a pass rusher, a quarterback, obviously maybe an outside cornerback. So because of that, I've been against the idea of a running back, but JK Dobbins, would fix so many issues on this offense in the running game and the passing game. I watched some more tape last night of December games for Miami, and man, they wanted to get the ball to Patrick Laird, but he's just not that explosive. Getting J.K. Dobbins out there in space as a pass receiver, watch out, man. He's a great fit here for Miami. My next option is the center from UW, Nick Harris. I think he's ultimately a first-round pick, although I'd love to get him at pick 39. And then Curtis Weaver, the edge from Boise, and another safety on my list here, Ashton Davis from Cal. He is fifth. I like him better in the second round, but I could see him going in the first round. So Winfield, Dobbins, Harris, Weaver, and Davis. 
So I think, correct me here if I'm wrong, I think that gives me a short list at five of Tua, Simmons, a trade back, Okuda and Brown at 18, Makai Becton, Kayla Von Chason, and Yatir Gross-Matos, although Gross-Matos had a gross incident at Penn State this year. We'll learn more about that in the coming days and coming weeks. At 26, Winfield, Dobbins, and of course Harris there as your top three. And then lastly, real quick, I forgot this one. I put a poll up on my timeline on Twitter asking which of the pleasant surprises has the best chance of being a long-term solution at that spot for this Dolphins team. And I used three options because my fourth and fifth, I couldn't decide who I wanted to be between Vince Beagle and Mike Gesicki. But I want to get their names in that poll as well to go along with Nick Needham, Eric Rowe, and Preston Williams, who is currently running away with that poll. But just consider that in general. Those five players... Going into the year, you probably didn't expect much from them on top of Devontae Parker, who would have ran away with that poll if I put him in there. That's why I did not. But you have five or six or seven guys that really surprised in a big way last year. What if that happens again this season? And in addition to that, you get premium resources in both the draft and free agency. Man, I think this team is going to be really good really soon. I can't wait. And on Sunday's podcast, we'll have tomorrow's with the safeties in the mailbag. We're going to have a mega offseason preview. I should have Kevin Dern at some point next week as well. We'll have a Senior Bowl preview episode and Senior Bowl coverage throughout the week. Tons of content coming your guys' way. But as for today's show, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You all have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for a Friday mailbag edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.